welcome. Welcome to our Family Central Gathering. As you guys know, kids are with us. We've gone through this. Kids, I want you guys to know specifically we're glad you're here. So this isn't just a, hey, we're not going to have sprouts today thing. We're glad you're here because we're all in this thing together. We all can learn and experience God and his presence. So we're glad that you're with us today. We're going to start with a little game and then some fun facts. Right? Because adults like this too, right? Okay, so the game is going to be called Empty or Not. Empty or Full. So let's start off. Empty or Full. Is this room... Empty or full? Empty. I'm hearing a lot of empties. What about this one? Whose room does this look like in here? Raise your hand if this looks familiar. Adults can raise their hands too. I see some parents pointing like that. Okay. Empty or full? What about this one? Empty or full? Yeah, man, you guys are doing so well at this. What about this one? Oh, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, it seems pretty good. What about this one? Are these chairs empty or full? I'm not even hearing anyone sarcastically saying full. I like that. What about this Chiefs game? All right, you guys may be smart. But you, this last pair is going to be really tough. And this one's really timely and present. Empty or full? That is going to be a difficult dive. No, this one is full, right? Right? And this is actually the Manhattan City Park pool. And I think it opened yesterday. Can anyone confirm? I think it opened yesterday afternoon. Summer's officially here. So empty or full. So when we look back, we bring all these back. Do we feel like we got them? Yeah. Actually, they're all full. You knew there was some sort of weird thing happening here, and you would have been right. They're all full. All of them are filled with air. You got it. You got it. So perfect. Air, it's hardly noticeable, right? If you're not thinking about it, it seems like it's empty. There's nothing there, right? But when you can't feel it moving, it's like there's nothing going on. But if you feel it moving, like I can kind of feel it moving up here, then you can start to feel it. Or maybe if I, right? Is that blowing anyone's mind? <laughs> but I'm, that's right. So when you put a pinwheel up to the fan, then you can start to sense that there's air moving. And uh, all of you guys uh, who have, uh, all of you kids that are back there at the tables, you should have a art activity where you can start to build your own pinwheel during this gathering. We'll have an opportunity to all blow on these later towards the end. So if you want, go ahead and you can get started with those, making those, it'll be sweet. So I've got mine up here. So Ben already referenced this a little bit ago. Who knows where this is? It's in the Contemporary, that's right. So if you've never been there, uh, great hiking trails not far from here. And if, uh, at the top of, I think it's maybe called Radio Tower Hill, you get up to the top, as my family likes to do. This one's a few years ago now, but whenever you get to the top, sometimes that wind is really blowing. There was one time where Jack, our uh, third oldest here, uh, he, was, he got up there, he was still pretty young, and the wind just whipped his hat away and he freaked out. And he ran to get it, and he was very scared of the top of that hill for a while. Right? So wind can be kind of intense. It can also be destructive. Who remembers what this is from? December 15th, about six months ago. Huge windstorm came through Manhattan, and it blew over our beloved Christmas tree. Our family had already gone to see it, so it was okay. 
88 mile an hour winds here in Manhattan. I hear there was 94 mile an hour winds on uh, Fort Riley. That is intense. I remember we were supposed to be in our basement, the sirens were going off, but I went upstairs and I was just looking out the window and those straight line winds, you know, blowing 75, 85 miles an hour, just constantly. I had never been in anything like that. And I looked out our back window and I saw our trampoline support beams just kind of going like this, crunching in half. It's pretty intense. Yeah, that's hurricane force. That's category one hurricane, right? Which is also what this is, right? A hurricane. So hurricane starts at 74 miles an hour, goes all the way up to 156 plus for category five. It's pretty intense. The strongest hurricane winds ever recorded on earth. Anyone know? This is the trivia. It was actually in an island off of Australia called Barrow Island in 1996. 253 miles an hour. Can you, I can't imagine that. That is crazy. But of course, hurricanes are nothing compared to tornadoes when it comes to wind speed. Wind speeds in tornadoes can get even higher, way higher. And it's actually hard to directly measure winds inside of a tornado. You can't get your pinwheel in there, right? And so uh, the, the strongest winds that we have inferred from Doppler radar was uh, in 1996, a tornado near Moore, Oklahoma, or actually it struck Moore, Oklahoma, at least 301 miles an hour. Man, that can just, that's just intense, really destructive. And uh, for those tornado buffs in, in, the, in the room, raise your hand if you're a tornado guy, you like tornadoes. I, I was scared of them, but I also like them. I've never seen one in person. Anyone ever seen a tornado actually live in person? Oh, man. Okay, you guys win, I lose. The EF scale that are, uh, tornadoes are measured on, it doesn't matter, measure wind speed, it measures destructive power, that's right. So winds can be so destructive. Winds can also be useful, right? If you've been driven, uh, driven down I-70, you get closer to Denver, you start seeing these. They're going up all the time. So wind turbines can create electricity. Wind uh, creates uh, lift for our airplanes to fly. It blows up our bike tires. Yes, semi brakes, you know, pneumatic brakes. Did you know even rocket fuel is made from air, right? Different gases from the air. That's what the Saturn V, the most powerful rocket ever that sent us to the moon a long time ago for uh, those of you who are my age and younger, maybe not so long ago for some of you, most powerful thing we've ever created, powered by gas. I, I'm very excited, the SLS, our new space rocket system that's gonna be blasting off hopefully this year, taking us back to the moon, be even more powerful. I would love to go see it. More pleasantly though, air, if it's like, if you've got, okay, close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. And imagine there's a warm sun on your, on your face and maybe like a warm breeze slightly blowing on your face. That's like one of my happy places right there. Wind can be wonderful. Air can be so relaxing. Of course, the most useful aspect of air to humans is breathing. So everyone, if you got a balloon, now's the time you bring it out, adults as well. Breathing is really important. It's kind of hard to notice until you like, can see it. So go ahead and get it out and blow it up and then hold it. Now hold it. I'm hearing some sounds. We're gonna to get to that in a second. That's your breath, the most important aspect of air for us. Now, go ahead and let it out in whatever sound you want to make. It's, isn't that beautiful? 
I knew the kids wanted to do it. And most of you guys, most of you adults. Okay, we'll call that good. All right, now, kids, that's your one chance. If we hear another sound of a balloon after this, your parents will engage with you. Okay, without air, we die pretty quickly. Did you guys know that, uh, well, most humans can hold their breath for like 30 seconds, 60 seconds, maybe a minute and a half. By about three minutes, we pass out and die. However, the, the, the record holder was set last year, Guinness Book of World Records. This guy, let me, I'm gonna have to pronounce his name here. Uh, Budmir Shabbat of Croatia. He held his breath for 24 minutes, 37 seconds. That takes crazy special training, that's, a, that's insane. That's longer than most of us watch Netflix. But that is a very long time, but it's nothing compared to what some animals can do. So the northern elephant seal, which is known for its beauty, it's been clocked at diving for over two hours on one breath. That's crazy, right? Whales can do a lot. This one specifically is the Cuvier beaked whale. Longest whale dive documented in a single breath, 222 minutes. That's three hours, 42 minutes, right? Almost as long as uh, some of the Lord of the Rings movies. Sea turtles, they can go for 10 hours on a breath. I mean, this is getting like crazy long. Some land turtles, and you kids are going to like this one. Land turtles have the record though, because a lot of them go to the bottom of a lake when it freezes during the winter, and they just stay down there, and they don't come up for a breath all winter. So they have this special ability to kind of slow their body down, but they also can uh, take in little bits of oxygen through their butts. <laughs> All the kids catch that? Yes, land turtles can breathe through their butts. It is called colloquial respiration. Look it up. It's fascinating, but kids can't do it. No need to try. <laughs> However, and this will be our last one, the world record holder for the animal that can go for the longest underwater without a single breath of air is fish. That's right. Actually, fish do need oxygen, but they don't take breaths of air. This one is the, uh, what's, what's it called? The rough-eye rockfish, the longest, known, no, the longest living known fish species over 200 years at least. So that one takes a long time before it breathes in the air. Okay, all joking aside, the point here is we need air to breathe. We need air to breathe. And without it, we're up a creek without a, a paddle. And even if you don't sense the air around you, if you're not thinking about it, if it seems empty, it's real. Right? It's real. It's there. Our pinwheel proves to us there's something going on here. Our blown up balloons that squeak when we let the air out proves that there's something there. And so we've been in this series called Presence. We're wrapping up today. It's been going for, I think this is the fifth Sunday. If you haven't uh, made your way to listen to all of them, I would encourage you to go back, tallgrassatthewell.church, and check them out. Very helpful. Looking at the reality that we were made to live connected to God and in his presence. And in fact, uh, God's presence is most fully, uh, most fully experienced, maybe most easily experienced when Jesus came to earth. When God came and he was close to us, we could see him, touch him. We could uh, talk to him, hear stuff back. And as the, the, the apostle John did, at least sometimes he would lean his head on God's chest, on Jesus' chest and fall asleep. How cool would that be? How cool would that be? And then, but then when Jesus, he, when he died and he came back to life and then he ascended back to heaven, he sent us his 
spirit. And he says, it's actually better for you that I go away because so I can send you his spirit, send you God's spirit. And now God's presence is most fully experienced by us through his spirit. But it seems harder, right? If you're like me, I would rather have Jesus in front of me than the spirit inside me. I know that it's better. I don't always feel it. I would love to have Jesus right here beside me. I'd love to fall asleep on his chest. It's harder sometimes to experience God through his spirit. We don't always sense him moving. Seems like there's nothing there sometimes. So now it's hard, just like the air, we have trouble experiencing the reality of the presence of God. Oh, we would probably take the Christian test, get the right answer on that one every day. Yes, God's spirit, that's his presence, it's good. But sometimes it's really hard. So biblically speaking, the connection between breath and air and the presence of God's spirit is actually very apt. The word, the original Hebrew word, which the Old Testament was mostly written in Hebrew, the original word for God's spirit is ruach. Man, some of you already knew that one, some Bible trivia there. Ruah, ruah, it, it means spirit, breath, and wind right? The same word. There's an intimate connection there. And so you pronounce this one correctly, ruah. There's a very soft sound at the end, but it's mostly like the sound of a breath out. Ruah. It's pretty cool. And the very first time that ruah is used in the Bible, and yeah, like we're going to be talking about this today, breathing in God's spirit. The very first time ruah is used is in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1. Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, And now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the ruach of God was hovering over the waters. And so just a little Bible trivia here. Uh, This isn't going to be what we're talking about. But we can sometimes get really worried about how old the earth is. Is it really old? Is it not? Well, if you're reading the scriptures, the days of creation don't start till verse 3. It starts with, and God said, and then it ends with, and then there was morning and there was evening. And then, and God said, and there was The the days of uh, creation don't start until verse 3. And God had already created it all. And so the Bible actually has nothing specific to say about the age of the universe or the earth. So there's no need to get real worried about that one, no matter how you uh, interpret the days. That one was just thrown in for free. So the Ruach of God was right there, hovering over the unformed planet of earth, waiting. The Bible begins with God's Ruach, hovering there over what was essentially a dead, unformed planet. And then God's ruach worked and began to form it into a planet that can be filled with life. It's pretty amazing what God's ruach can do. Next chapter, chapter two, verse seven. And then the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground and he ruached, he literally ruached into his nostrils the ruach of life. And the man became a living being. So not only can God bring the dead planet to life, but God also takes soil, the earth, and brings dead inanimate objects to life. And then Adam breathes his first breath and becomes a living creature. The Spirit of God does amazing things when he breathes. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament is filled with examples of God's ruach being experienced as a breath or a wind. Just briefly, in a few chapters later in Genesis, Genesis chapter 8, God sends his ruach 
to drive back the flood so that the waters can recede and that the earth's land can dry out. He delivers Noah and his family through the Ruach. In Exodus uh, chapter 10, Moses, he raises his staff against Egypt. E- Egypt, who, would, who was imprisoning and refusing to let the Israelites go, God sends his ruach, a violent ruach, to, brought, to bring in the locust, one of the plagues. In Exodus 14, a little bit later, God sends his ruach. Oh, I already said that one. What was the next one? Oh, yeah. When uh, the, uh, when, yeah, that's Exodus 14. When God sends the ruach, the great Ruach, to make a way where there was no way. And it blew back the waters so that the Israelites could follow through on dry ground. God delivers his people with his Ruach, with the breath, with the wind, strong wind. And then when God is leading his people through the wilderness, he leads them through a pillar of cloud during the day that also glows like fire at night. What does a pillar of cloud look like to you? Sounds like a tornado to me. I mean, this one's not going to be probably on the are you getting into heaven test, but that's what it sounds like to me. Sounds like a ruach, God's ruach, leading his people, leading his people. And then in Numbers 11, God sends a ruach, his great ruach, to send mountains of quail for the hungry people who were complaining, to fill them with good food. God's ruach is constantly delivering his people over and over again through the wind through the breath, through the ruach. But it's only a handful of times since Adam was created with God's ruach, it's only a handful of times that God's ruach actually comes on a person and fills them up, where the, the ruach of God lives and abides with them and stays around for a while. It's actually pretty rare. There are a few people, handful of people, the Spirit would come, do amazing things, fill them up, and then oftentimes he would leave after a while, especially if the person was sinning, which people tend to do. First king of the Israelites in First uh, Samuel 16, King Saul, God filled him with his ruach so that he could lead the people, deliver them. But Saul kept sinning and turning against God, and eventually God took his ruach back and it left Saul. Can you imagine what that would be like? Now, we're not talking about killing Saul, the general, the animating rock of God that fills us up and gives us life. That was there. But being filled with God, being indwelled by God, that changed. It's taken away and then given to King David. It drove Saul mad. The Spirit of God could be taken away. And then King David He was filled with God's ruach to live and to lead and to deliver his people. But then David started doing some pretty terrible things. And so in Psalm 51, David is pleading with God. He says, don't cast me out from your presence. I know what I've done. Please don't take your Holy Spirit, your ruach from me. God's spirit was around. Sometimes he would fill people up. But then oftentimes he would leave. Most people, most people did not ever directly experience God's ruach. But then, about 2,000 years ago, everything changed. As B.C. moved to A.D., God's ruach, God's word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus Christ came close. And he was here and we could see him and touch him and hear him. And we could fall asleep on his chest. God was doing something new. His ruach came. 
He lived a perfect life and died a perfect death on our behalf so that we didn't have to be separate from God anymore. What Adam and Eve had originally done in the garden was had separated themselves from God, from his presence. Through choosing their own way, they had disconnected themselves with God, at least in a very real way spiritually. And God had become close, very close. In the New Testament, the word ruach isn't used because the New Testament's mostly written in Greek. So it's the same word as the Hebrew ruach, but the Greek word is pneuma. And it's the exact same sense of the word, breath, wind, spirit, pneuma. It's where we get our English words, uh, pneumatic breaks, <laughs> What else? Uh, pneumonia. All right. Pneumonia is not so great. There's probably other more positive ones you can tell me later. So God's ruach, God's pneuma comes. And then Jesus, right after he came back to life uh, and he came and he visited his disciples for the first time. We'll pick up in John 20, starting in verse 20. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. You better believe it. They rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he did something you might not expect. He breathed on them. But of course, if you've been following the narrative of Scripture, this isn't weird. You're expecting this. He, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He pneumed on them. Receive the pneuma of God. And so, so something that was equally as profound as dead stuff coming to life, as an unformed planet becoming able to support life, as a, as a pile of dirt formed and then beginning to be alive so that it could breathe, is equally uh, monumental a step forward happened here. Living people who already had the breath of God were filled up with his Holy Spirit and something new. His Spirit would never leave. Something new happened, something entirely new. God had been waiting for this day for a long time. For a very long time, God had been feeling the disconnect with his people, and he had been working day and night for a very long time to bring us back, because we couldn't do it. And that's basically the narrative of the Bible, that God loves you so much that he has been working hard to bring you back close. In a few weeks, we're going to uh, talk about the, the parable of the prodigal son uh, on Father's Day. And that shows the heart of the father here. The heart of the father is not, uh, not content with his son running away, but he's looking, waiting, longing with love and desire every day, looking down the road. And then we sees the faintest glimpse of him. What does he do? He runs. And in that culture, it would have been exceedingly embarrassing and debasing for himself to run. But he runs to reconnect with his son. And that's what God's doing here. A few weeks later at Pentecost, we read here in Acts 2, suddenly a great sound like a blowing violent wind, God's pneuma came again, came from heaven and filled the whole house where his disciples were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, this time not just in a pillar leading them in one place, this time it separated and it came to rest on each of them. God's connection point was not just in one place anymore. At the temple over there, you could get kind of close but not experience it. There's one pillar and it's leading you. It's over there. Now, it's everywhere. 
everywhere someone who knows God and is following God through Jesus, his connection point is there. It's now in each of us because God's spirit is there. That's, uh, the tongues of fire came to rest on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues as the spirit would enable them. We find a few verses later that everyone in Jerusalem heard the sound of this wind. It must have been like a tornado or a microburst or something because everyone came out of their house to figure out what was going on. And at that time, then they were able to hear God's good news in their own language as the disciples were speaking. That same wind, that same tornado, that same spirit that was hovering over the waters, the same spirit that came and hovered over Adam, that same spirit that led the Israelites out, that delivered them and provided for them, that same spirit was coming to rest on his people. That same power that conquered the grave, that brought Jesus back to life, now can live in us. Romans 8, 11, Paul reflecting on this says, if the spirit, now the if here is not just like, I hope so, it's the if that says, well, you know this is true, so that. Because, this, that's the if here. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he does, then he, um, uh, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This kind of same power, the same power that created the universe being in us, it's kind of hard to comprehend. Psalm 33, six says that God's ruah, his spirit was the one that created everything. That same spirit that created not just our planet, not just our solar system, not just our galaxy, the entire universe, all the nebulas, all of the planets, untold numbers of, uh, of, uh, of stars, quasars, magnetars, neutron stars, all exclaiming in their own unique way, God is here, God is amazing, I worship him. Figuratively speaking, of course, that same God that brought them into being and created them and sustains them by the power of his breath and his word, that spirit lives in us. And it's a mystery. How can that happen? How can that power live in me? Especially sometimes when I don't feel him. How can that be? It's mysterious. It's so mysterious. Jesus, talking about this mystery in John chapter eight, or chapter three, verse eight. And this is kind of where we'll land today. He says, it's kind of like this, the wind, the ruach, the spirit, the pneuma, it blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, and it's so it is with everyone who is born again of the spirit. It's a mystery, but there's power there. It's a mystery, you can't tame or totally predict God or how he'll work, Sorry. You can't exactly uh, tell why he's doing what he does or when he's going to do it or where he's at work, but sometimes you can see, right? You can see where the pinwheels are moving. Sometimes it's right here with you. It's in your hand. You feel it. You experience God's presence through his power, and you know that he's here. Sometimes your pinwheel hasn't moved for a long time. Sometimes you can see one moving over there, Kind of looks like there's one over there moving. I remember at one point in my life when the pinwheel was moving. It's not moving now. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. You can't predict it. But you can put yourself where you know where the wind tends to blow. 
right? If you're in Western Kansas, it's probably a safe bet you can put up a wind turbine, right? Some days there's not a lot of wind going, but eventually those, those turbines are gonna go. Although for some time, for some reason I'll go by and all of them are going and then there's this one that's just standing. Turn it on. Where's the... I'm sure there's a technical answer. He's as close as our breath, even though we can't fully understand how he does what he does or why he does what he does. We can be sure that he's at work even when we don't feel it because he tells us in his word, because at times we've experienced it maybe in the past. Maybe we see it somewhere over there. He's given us his spirit, his presence. Anywhere we go, we can take his presence with us even when we don't feel it. This is how God intends his sons and daughters to live, right? In the garden, we lived in perfect communion with God. Adam and Eve did, at least for a while. But then everything went sideways. And we were, but we were made for that. And so what God's doing is not just to get us back to the garden. He's actually pushing us forward. There's a progression here. And so he's gonna make it better than it was. So not just did we walk with God in the cool of the day, but God himself will be in us and with us. And Jesus himself will come back. He'll be better than ever. We can't control him, but we can be certain that he's around. Where the pinwheels are spinning, we can wait patiently where the wind tends to blow and pray. God's presence is mysterious. His presence is mysterious, but it's also promised. He is close. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to experience his closeness. So we can take a breath. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget. And take that breath and remember that God is close and his breath is real. His presence with you is real even when you don't feel it. Because you know and this is kind of where we'll end. You don't have to fully understand how something works to be able to believe and know that it's real, right? To place your trust in it. It's like love and gravity. Yes, the smartest scientists in the world, actually nobody really understands what gravity is or how it works. But we all believe that it's real enough to put our faith in it, right? It's gonna hold me up. Love, I, I can't prove to you scientifically, I guess, that Jen loves me, but I know enough to put my trust in it. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know it's real, and I can give myself over to finding and cherishing that. And did you know that not only adults can do this? Kids, kids, pop your heads up. You know, you can trust God like this too. You don't have to fully understand how God's work, God works to believe and trust that he's close to you. So kids, I want you to take out your uh, pinwheel right now. If you've made it, if you haven't, it's okay. And blow into it. If you haven't done it yet, you can do it later. All right? I want you to take the pinwheel home kind of as a reminder that sometimes you need to blow on the pinwheel or maybe blow up your balloon, not right now. <laughs> to remember that God is real, even when you can't fully understand what's happening. You can put your trust in him. All right. So 
where do you see, and we'll kind of end here, maybe as the worship team comes up, where do you see God working these days? And kids, I'm going to encourage you, have your, have your parents ask you about this later. Where do you see God working these days? Where do you sense his presence? Where are the pinwheels spinning? What might it look like for those of you who know Jesus and trust him? What might it look like for you to go more fully where you see him moving? As Jesus breathed on his disciples, he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you, right? The early church eventually figured out they didn't just need to drum up stuff on their own. The key to the spiritual, the Christian, the church life is primarily see where God's at work and try to go join him there. So I want you to close your eyes right now and ask yourself, where do I see God moving? Lord, please show me. And then take a moment to ask God to show you what it might look like for you to take a step closer to where he's calling you. Others of you may feel like you know Jesus, you put your trust in him, you believe his spirit is in you, but you're not really feeling it these days. It feels like you're stuck in the doldrums where the wind's not blowing and the sails go slack and you're not moving and it's been a while. It's really hard right now. You don't see him move. It's hard to see his presence. I'm actually kind of in one of those seasons myself right now. It's felt a little dry. For those of you, I, I want to pray over you right now. And I invite those of you who don't really feel like this is your spot right now, for you to join me in prayer in your heart. God, I, I pray a special prayer of blessing and mercy and peace over those who really resonate with feeling like the pinwheels aren't moving. It's been a while. Spirit, please move in their life. I pray that as soon as you're able, as soon as you're willing, as soon as whatever you're doing is accomplished, that you would please give them an experience of your presence. Give them the peace that surpasses understanding. Guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus as they walk through the times of not really feeling it. And finally, my guess is there's some of you who are listening to my voice right now. You know that you've never really put your trust in Jesus. You've never really received God's spirit in your life. And so kind of like the unformed earth. The Spirit of God is hovering over you and he's waiting and able to form you into something new. And he wants to. He wants to connect with you and to draw you in and to make you a new creation. So if, you, if you're in that place and you want to be connected with God, you can so I want to invite you to pray with me. It doesn't have to be a prayer exactly like this, but something. Communicate to God something like this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I am tired of trying to do life on my own. I'm so tired.
going to choose to trust you right now with my life. Please forgive me for my sins. Fill me with your spirit, and I'll follow you the rest of my life. So if you prayed that right now, the, the, the spirit of God has come into you right now, and you are filled. Whether you feel it or not, sometimes you feel it in the moment, sometimes it comes later. The word of God promises you that you have moved from death to life and that his spirit has filled you and that he will walk with you. And so if, if you've made that choice to follow Jesus today, I'd, I'd encourage you to come talk to me, come talk to any of us here. We would love to help you to get connected, to help you to grow. You're gonna need help. We wanna help you walk in that. Where are the pinwheels moving? And how can you join God where he is? Let me pray one more time over us as we close. Jesus, we as a church, as we are in this season of uh, merging, as it's kind of an exciting time, as we're developing as a church kind of our vision and our mission, and we know we want to be where you are growing ourselves and we want to grow our ability to bless our community. Lord, lead us. We invite you. We want to make sure you know without a shadow of a doubt, we want you. We want your presence in our own lives and as a church to lead us. We want to see where you're moving and where you're asking us to join you. We want to join you in the power of your resurrection that's working itself out. We want to be a part of that. We're really looking forward to you coming back. In the meantime, Lord, fill us, sustain us, and do good through us. In your name we pray. Amen. This teaching was recorded by Tallgrass at the Well. We're building community together by inviting people into the way of Jesus. For more resources like this, visit tallgrassatthewell.church.